Bitcoin is a commons. It's a monetary commons, a value uh, transfer commons, a shared resource which people can use. And then it's within their interest to keep that resource going and then and, and, and nurture that resource and help it grow. And that's what Bitcoin is. Um, and if anyone tried, any private interests try to co-opt Bitcoin, like Bitcoiners attack it. Hello there. How are you all doing? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I am using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And before we get into the interview today, I have a quick message from my show sponsors. And this show is brought to you by Casa, the safest way to store your Bitcoin. Now, forgotten passwords, SIM swaps, phishing attacks, there are just too many ways to have your Bitcoin lost or stolen. But with Casa, you never have to worry about your Bitcoin again. Because with a Casa multi-sig wallet, you get to take custody of your Bitcoin, but you only move Bitcoin by signing transactions from multiple wallets, ones which you get to distribute into different locations. And this is going to protect you from a range of mistakes, errors, and vulnerabilities. Now, if you want to find out more about this, I have been a customer for over a year. You can hit me up in my DMs or drop me an email. Happy to answer your questions. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. You can find out more at keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. Next up, we have my new sponsor to the show, which is BCB Group, who provide online business banking for companies in the Bitcoin industry. And yes, I am now a customer of BCB too. They heard about my difficulty with finding a bank, a reliable one that understands Bitcoin, and they reached out to me. So I've moved all my business banking across to BCB, and you know what? I could not be happier. It is so nice to finally be dealing with a bank which understands my business and understands Bitcoin and isn't putting hurdles in my way. BCB's clients include major exchanges, market makers, funds, and miners active in the UK and Europe, but they are now expanding globally. And they also have this amazing fiat network called Blink, which facilitates instant free payments between BCB clients for all supported currencies. Now listen, I know some of you have had some trouble with this. If you are looking for a banking provider who understands and supports Bitcoin companies rather than creating hurdles, then like me, you want to become a BCB customer. If you want to find out, then please head over to bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter, which is bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter. Next up, we've got Ledger the world's most popular hardware wallet. Now, a hardware wallet allows you as a Bitcoiner to take custody of your Bitcoin. And I have been a Ledger customer since early 2017. It's over four years now, and I'm still using that same Nano S I bought back then. Ledger makes it easy for you to safely manage your Bitcoin using their Ledger Live software, which interfaces with your device. And you can even connect your Nano S to your Android phone to manage your Bitcoin on the go. If you want to find out more, please head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Next up is BlockFi. Now you can get up to $250 in Bitcoin when you join BlockFi. They've launched their BlockFi Rewards Visa Signature Card. And for people in the US who own or are interested in owning Bitcoin or stacking more sats, then the BlockFi Rewards Credit Card provides the easiest way for you to earn more Bitcoin because you get 1.5% back in Bitcoin on every purchase with no annual fee. It is the smartest way to stack sats with Bitcoin rewards and every purchase. But if you're interested in finding out more and you do want to take out that bonus, you want to get that $250 in Bitcoin, then please head over to BlockFi.com forward slash Peter, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com forward slash Peter. Morning, Ben. Morning. How's it going? Good, mate. How are you? Very good. Yeah, very good. Rested. Good. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for coming down. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Well, listen, this was uh, this was requested in two ways. You directly, but uh, a few requests recently that uh, I've had too many guests maybe who are politically on the right, libertarian, anarcho-capitalist, but not hearing too much from the left. And obviously when this show comes out, there will be some people triggered because I've had left-leaning people on the show before and the YouTube comments, yeah, they go crazy because people are like, why are you giving these psychopaths? You know, uh, why are you giving them airtime? Giving them airtime. Yeah. Why are you giving them a platform? Um, yeah. uh, for context, I was, uh, I was definitely somebody who would lean on the left as a youngster. I would say Bitcoin pushed me more to the right and now I'm just kind of like all over the place. I don't really care what the issue is. I'm happy to discuss various well, issues. I think that that's kind of the problem is the fear that um, if you have uh, a political viewpoint which is different to the prescribed one, which is currently you know part of the sort of cultural ideology of um, of the outspoken Bitcoin, which which people are exposed to, then there's the fear that there's going to be kickback from it. Um, and I personally, you know, I, I work on a bunch of projects, and uh, um, I've had to kind of like distance my political thoughts away from my projects because I, you know, I get muted and blocked on Twitter and then it doesn't do, if I'm, if I'm promoting something I've done in one of offering open source projects which I'm working on, then it, it you know, limits its reach if I'm being blocked and muted by people on Twitter. So it's, um, what I will say though is, you know, quite early on in Bitcoin when it was magic internet money, when there was, there was a very diverse um, uh, range of uh, political uh, thoughts within within Bitcoin, within the Bitcoin uh, quote-unquote community. And I'll trigger some people just calling it a community. Um, there is no community there. <laughs> there's only individuals in a community. Yeah, so at some point, maybe it was around sort of 2016, 17, because obviously, I mean, libertarian, right, libertarians in, in, in the US, uh, the Austrian economics, the Biancaps, those sorts, there's immense value in Bitcoin, of course. You can't deny that. Um, it, it, it makes markets more efficient. It, um, you're using the you know, cryptographic laws of the universe to uh, secure your private property. I mean, how can it not appeal to that type of person politically or that, with that political leaning? Uh, but then to say that's where it ends and um, its scope is only limited to those group of people and other people with other political ideologies can't see value in bitcoin i think just limits its scope and reach so i mean bitcoin itself you know it's it's it wouldn't exist without the free and open soft free and open source software which it's built on the copy left free and open source software um, which is itself a result of private capital failing to meet the needs of certain software requirements um, and as well as that you have you know consensus consensus decentralized decision making something like consensus has been explored in left circles, socialist circles for, for hundreds of years and how to do consensus well um, has been explored for, for, for a very long time. So of course people on the left can also see value in Bitcoin. I think the common enemy um, which those on the left, those on the right should probably are, are targeting by using something like Bitcoin is, is state power, state control. Mm -hmm. And that will trigger your, your audience because I'll say, well, this guy's, you know, associating himself as a socialist and now he's saying that bitcoin is good that bitcoin attacks state control if you look historically at socialism the history of socialism it wasn't until uh, lenin um, brought about the vanguard and thought that he could take the power of state to uh, bring about a socialist society that um, that, that the, the statist socialist side the so side of socialism which is statist 
uh, became more prominent. Before that, it was always very anti-state. Um, look at Rosa Luxemburg. She was killed by state for being anti-socialist, um, anti-state socialist. Uh, and then, you know, if we go back to the, the first international uh, working men's club, which was uh, where Marx um, and uh, uh, Bakunin fought it out, you know, Marx was very much on the side of this idea of a, of a worker revolution where people working would seize control of production and then you would bring about this socialist society. And Bakuna said, well, no, actually, I mean, he was also a socialist, but socialist anarchist, lefty. Um, he said that if you did that, then you would, you would bring about a red bureaucracy. And uh, what was, it, what was the, the, the phrase he used? That people would be beaten with the people's stick, which is what happened in the USSR. He predicted it all very insightfully. Um, but then to having these incredibly bad um, uh, examples where people have tried to bring about uh, socialist society. Well, I mean, have they tried to bring about a socialist society? Or have they just actually just empowered themselves? Having these incredibly bad examples and then saying that that is socialism, um, uh, it's like saying, it's like looking at capitalism uh, through state capitalism and saying, well, this fails because, you know, interpreting the whole of capitalism as state capitalism. And the capitalists will say, well, that, that isn't capitalism. You know, that's, that's a... Um, that there's, there's, that's not a, a true form of capitalism and, and, and they've got a good argument in saying that uh, and similarly if you have something like state socialism and someone like me would say well that isn't socialism look you know you can't tarnish a, a cooperative um uh, uh with the same brush as you know the, the thing which brought about things like gulags and <laughs> a mao in north korea um they're, they're, they're not the same decentralizing uh like something like production for example production of software production of real life goods um, that's not the same as, you know, giving state power so they can beat people with the people stick. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, as I said, I've, <clears throat> I've definitely, since I discovered Bitcoin, uh, gone more to the right and more towards uh, libertarian ideas. And I'm very interested in them. But I'm interested in listening to everyone, you know, even if you're a socialist. I'm, I want to hear, hear from you. I want to hear your ideas and I always wonder what in there is there any value we can Well, again, I mean, libertarianism was a, a left, um, always a leftist tradition. Uh, so it comes from Libertaire, which was a, a French um, a pamphlet, political pamphlet, which is a, um, libertarian socialism. That's where libertarian socialism started. Uh, and then over time, that was, I think that was co-opted by um, Milton Friedman or Aaron Rand or someone like that, who then started using the term, as well as the term anarchist as well. Uh, to describe their um, right-leaning political ideologies. But, you know, as on the left, we would say that although the intentions are there to um, empower the individual and the self, um, which is, you know, very worthwhile intentions, it often ends up becoming a form of kind of neoliberalism where you're actually just empowering a new master, you know, a, 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 a corporate overlord, or you're empowering state... Because we do have like state capitalism now, where you know it's been co-opted by big corporation and corporate interest. So um, I think the main thing is that people, um, maybe on the right, they will say that the you know the 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 most the best form of production for general liberty for people has already been invented, already exists, and that's just capitalism, free market capitalism, laissez-faire capitalism. Just let it do its thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then people on the, the left would say, well, actually, I mean, you know, you, without regulation, capitalism can kind of run amok. And uh, is there anything we can do to, is there any other forms of production which would give people greater liberty, a general greater, greater liberty? Uh, but then at this point, I think it's very important that I, I must note that there's a big difference in property 
um, and in different types of capital. So I'm talking about big corporate faceless capital, um, the sort of, you know, the, which was brought about with the East India Company. And there's a great quote actually from the impeachment of the East India Company, which is a, a corporation has neither a soul to be condemned or a body to be punished. Therefore, it does as, it's, does as it likes. And that was during the impeachment of the East India Company back in 1790. So it's long been recognized that corporate capital is different to other forms of private capital. So when you look at, you know, the Wealth of Nations and Adam Smith, and um, he talks about this concept of the invisible hand. So the merchants of England, they would have some sort of, you know, vested interest in benefiting their community. And they, would, they wouldn't want to, you know, create horrible division of labor and turn man to beast, as, as Adam Smith said, because they would feel that the, the, some connection to, the, to, to, to England. But then with multinational corporations, that kind of invisible hand which guides um, private capital so it doesn't screw people over too much, then just gets eroded away. And I do think that corporations, when they get to a certain size, could be replaced by some sort of you know, utility commons and that's the sort of thing which I'm kind of interested in exploring. And then, I mean, that's kind of like a, a ideological, where could production go in the future kind of concept. Um, but if you're just talking about Bitcoin, I would say that Bitcoin is a commons. It's a monetary commons, a value uh, transfer commons. What is a commons? So a commons is a, a shared resource which people can use. And then it's within their interest to keep that resource going and, then, and, and, and nurture that resource and help it grow. And that's what Bitcoin is. Um, and if anyone, try, any private interests try to co-opt Bitcoin, like, you know, uh, Roger Bird did when, the, you mm. know, with the, um, Bitcoiners attack it because they realize that that's a centralizing point of failure, that we, we don't want a corporate interest to take control of Bitcoin, the network. We want it to be a commons. We want it to be publicly accessible, accessible freedom of association. And then going back, I'll go back to Marx and Marx's summarization of communism. Full communism was that um, each to their own need, each to their own ability. So the idea being that whatever you need, you can, you can use a system, it's fine, it's free. And then you contribute where in which you can. And that's kind of like the utopian ideological where you know, communism would end up in the future. But I think that just that phrase itself is very much like Bitcoin. It's each to your need. You know, use the system, it's fine, use it, make use of it. And then after a while, you kind of feel like you need to contribute back and you have this, this urge to help kind of build and, and, and make the system better. And it's, some people will say, well, that's just for individual interest. And that's fine if that's what you want to think. But I think there is also, I mean, we can't hide the fact that there is like an egalitarian um, uh, aspect to it where you actually want to help other people who want to access that system and use that system to give them more liberty and freedom. You're giving me a lot to unpack here. There's <laughs> a lot to get through. Okay, Ben. So <clears throat> when I first discovered Bitcoin, uh, somebody introduced it, the Silk Road to me. And I was like, this is cool. This is money that I can use to buy drugs on the internet. Badass. And obviously I discovered censorship resistance. And that was cool. And it wasn't until years later where I started to dive into the more political side of it. But at the same time, people were saying to me, Bitcoin is apolitical. You know, doesn't matter who you are, Bitcoin is for anyone. Fantastic. But the voices of uh, the politi political side of Bitcoin have been growing. And there is definitely a louder voice for libertarians. There's a louder voice on the right. The, the voice from the left seems to get shot down. And a lot of the conversations that I've had usually come privately because people don't, they don't want to be shouted at for oh, 100%. holding their certain views. So I think there's a lot to unpack here. And um, what, I'm what I'm interested in doing is speaking to as many people as possible because what I care about is how does society coordinate itself uh, yeah, you know, I get called a status cuck all the time. I'm a reluctant status, 
but I do believe democracy is the best thing we have right now. Absolutely. I, I agree with you completely. This attack on democracy, I think where in history have you had like peaceful transitions of power where it hasn't ended up in war and suffering and society being pulled back decades uh, or hundreds of years and uh, democracy is the best thing we have and currently representative democracy is the best thing we have again it's another it's a bit like attack an attack on on me you know the left attacking capitalism by looking at state capitalism or the right attacking uh, socialism by looking at state socialism it's a uh, you know you're looking at representative democracy and you're saying well all democracy is a failure and it's terrible and it's not fit for purpose and it's like well hold on here a democracy is an umbrella term there's lots of different types of democracy there's direct democracies e-democracies there's a whole different range of democracies go and look at the democracy wikipedia and then pick a democracy which you think is better yes the way in which we uh, vote for things could be better i mean we have all this incredible technology now which allows us to um uh access the internet through our, you know, a device in our pockets, which we have on us at all times. Like we have better tooling now for creating better forms of democracy. Um, it's just a case of all those legacy institutions having to catch up with the technology, which has just grown so fast and so exponentially. But tooling is, is, is one of the m most interesting parts of all of this technological, you know, advancement is you look at democracy itself. So that was brought about and made possible by the printing press. Um, because people could then have access to, to information. They could read political pamphlets, uh, and then more people had access to education and reading. Um, but before the right tooling, something like democracy it would flare up every now and then. You had, like, the, you know, in the ancient Greece, you had democracy. You, you had these little pockets in history where democracy would flare up. But then if anyone looked at it, it'd be like, well, that practically isn't going to work. You know, something like feudalism is much better. It makes much more sense, or, or slavery make, makes much more sense for, for society to be able to produce things. And then, uh, then we had democracy. We had the tooling in order to make democracy possible. And I'm saying that when you have this technological revolution, you have people accessing the internet and accessing all these suites of tools, then different forms of prediction do become possible and different forms of democracy do become possible and society will get better. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, get rid of democracy altogether and then return to a king and a queen because democracy failed. And it's like, no, wait there, we can just improve the, 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 the buggy system which exists right now. Yeah, and one of the interesting things about this is like, uh, uh, rather than you know wanting the big red button to destroy democracy and we all become sovereign independent individuals with private you know arrangements and insurances to back you know everything up which uh, i think on paper sells very well i think on paper uh i think the libertarians um define the way society should operate in probably one of the best ways possible i just don't have the belief it would be that way what what i like about democracy is that there is this always push and pull from the left and the right you know here in the UK at the moment, we have a conservative government. And let's be quite frank, they've done a terrible fucking job. Um, they've done a terrible job. And now we're seeing this push to the left. You know, that push and pull to the left, I think, creates some balance. What I wish is I wish the libertarians would engage more in politics to have that push and pull from the, the size of the state. So we have the push and pull from the left and the right, which is super helpful. But the, the state always grows. It's always increasing in size. And it was one of the things that Eric Voorhees said to me a long time ago, really stuck with me. He said, I don't want to get rid of the state right now. That's not, I mean, he does, but he said, I'd like to start simpler. Let's just say, let's make government smaller. Let's start with 5%, even 1%. Let's just make the state smaller. And I would like that idea of some form of representative democracy, which allows the libertarians to have an influence to make the state smaller. Now, some libertarians do engage in politics and some don't. And that's a conflict with libertarians. I understand that. But I do like that idea. I, don't, I do like the push and the pull. I, I, I 
I accept every criticism of democracy that's pretty much out there. It is shit. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But I think a society without it is, could be much worse. Yeah. I mean, look, look, look at the places in the world where you don't have functioning democracies. Yeah, they're usually places which have worse access to healthcare. You know, they usually have more deprivation. They usually have lower standards of education. Not everywhere. I know some people say, well, you know, point to some authoritarian places. But generally speaking, um, and I do like some of the parts of the, de de uh, the democracy we have, the democratic process we have in the UK. Mm. But I also like some of the way that I like the structure of the US system, the state-based system. I think there's lots of bits and pieces we like. I think checks and balances on power are always good. Like yeah. the, in any healthy democratic system, they've that's realized, what Bitcoin does. they've realized that they need lots of checks on power. And it could be anything. I mean, we, Christ, we have the queen, but it could be, you know, some bloke down the street, like it could be a check on, on power. Like checks and balances on power are very healthy and very good. But no, I, I, I agree completely that it's, um, it's not, obviously it's not perfect and it's, it's very much broken. And uh, it, it often empowers the wrong people and can be easily co-opted. But I mean, like you say, to reduce state, I think the best way to reduce state is Bitcoin. Yeah. You know, you, you, you take the power of money production away from, um, for, away from state and then suddenly their, their, their power, you've, you know, you've chopped off their arms. Their power is very limited what they can actually do. And Ben, do you know what? The timing is right for this because uh, if, you, if you look back at the history of uh, uh, government state budgeting and running a surplus and a deficit, you know, we have these you know, cyclical economic times. You know, sometimes it's a surplus, sometimes it's a budget. For some reason, whatever it is, uh, maybe it's due to globalization, maybe it's due to technology, but we're now at a stage where governments don't run a surplus and the deficit just gets bigger and the money printers got out of hand. And it's at that point where, you know, where uh, in the US when uh, they formed... Uh, when they formed the United States, they realized we had to separate church and state. We're now at that point separating money and state because the money printer goes brr. Whatever happens, it goes brr. And it, we're seeing the impact that that's having on people. If we have Bitcoin as a check and balance, that to me is a way of improving democracy rather than destroying it. See, I think it'd be more complicated than that. Okay. I, I don't think, I can't imagine um, a... a, a, a a Bitcoin-based world. Maybe eventually we'll get to a Bitcoin-based world. But I think in the meantime, look at El Salvador, for example. Sorry, like, bear with me. I'm not saying I want Bitcoin to replace fiat currency now. Mm. I see it as we have both. You know, fiat currency is our day-to-day, -day, it's our spend, it's, yeah. our, you know, it's our liquid cash. Ah, but, now, then here becomes, but Bitcoin is yeah. my, Bitcoin is my savings account. Easy online savings technology yeah. now. But here's the question, right? Rather than just focus on the Bitcoin stuff, can we in fact make fiat better? Could fiat be, you know, something which is like a side chain off Bitcoin, pegged to Bitcoin, and is federated, so it isn't in the, within the control of just a small handful of people in um, the Bank of England? Like, could could we make fiat better? I think we probably could, um, and I think again, it would make uh, society better and, and would would limit um, government's power. So, if you think in El Salvador, for example. Uh, they're trying to use Bitcoin and it's great for, you know, paying for your coffee and McDonald's is fast. The digital payments technology is amazing. You know, someone, some fruit seller can sell some fruit on the street. They can have access to a digital currency, which they then go spend in a, a big corporation, which they were never able to do. They didn't have a bank account, you know, a huge percentage of El Salvadorians don't have bank accounts. So they, they didn't have access to digital payments. Now they have access to digital payments. However, if you're on a surplus um, income and then Elon Musk tweets some crap out and then Bitcoin halves in price and then you've gone from $200, you know, in your monthly budget to $100, like that's a huge problem. That's a bug in the system. Mm -hmm. But I do think that, so if you look at liquid, I know that we were talking before off air. You can, you can oh, say okay, I can say, yeah. you were talking about the idea of, of tokenizing your football club. So um, Hold on, let me put some context because 
people not oh yeah yeah, yeah. Not, like not yeah. shitcoin ethereum yeah like, let, uh, let me do the context just so people don't think oh god he's going to do a shitcoin uh, one a, of the liquid thi- asset yeah so one of the things i was explaining to ben before we started is that i would like to give fan ownership the opportunity of fans to own part yeah. of the football club and globally there are people around the world who own bitcoin who might want to own part of the football club uh one of the ideas is that you could uh tokenize uh, the equity, but you tokenize it so it's on uh, liquid, you tokenize it so it's actual security. So rather than some shitcoin that has no claim to anything, this is actually a claim to uh, part ownership of the equity of the club that would be issued on liquid, trading on something like the Bitfinex exchange. And I haven't made the decision because I even think some of those people have got questions. I only want to do it if it's a way of making you have a claim to ownership of the equity of the club, therefore a claim to ownership of the upside. So and, and from speaking to you as well, it very much seems like you're in the, the R&D phase where you're yeah. trying to find the best, you know, these sort of, the, the best solution for, for that. And it's a, it's a, for, for the fans of the football club, it'd be absolutely amazing for them as, as a birthday, Christmas gift or whatever, to be able to buy this thing, which then actually gives them, you know, it's like a share in the in the club. Um, it's a really interesting concept and a great use case for, for Liquid. But going back to Liquid, um, uh, you know, it's possible. The technology exists that um, El Salvador could have some sort of stable coin, the El Salvadorian dollar pegged to some fiat currencies or some uh, assets, asset basket, whatever. Um, they could have a stable coin, but it could utilize, if it's built on uh, something like Liquid, um, it could utilize the Lightning Network. So for the El Salvadorians in their wallet, they just have Bitcoin and then they have El Salvadorian dollar. The El Salvadorian dollar exists on top of Bitcoin. It's completely stable uh, or pegged to something which is relatively stable. Um, and uh, But they, they will use it in the exact same way. You know, they'll scan a Lightning invoice and they'll pay a Lightning invoice and it'll be used in the same way. And the, the technology exists to build that right now, you know, like some very capable people in somewhere like blockchain could make that. And I, I do hope that um, uh, the El Salvadorian government is, is, is in talks about making stuff because it's desperately what they need. Like the, the Bitcoin experiment is great, but the price fluctuation sucks mm-hmm. and it, it makes it unusable as, as actual money. And I do think that this will be, if you think about the, the Central Bank of China, if you think about the European Central Bank, Bank of England, Bank of England, by the way, not Bank of Britain, which you should be, um, Bank of England. And then if you think about the Fed as well, they're all exploring digitally native currencies because they understand the value of digitally native currencies and sending microtransactions through a network. All these countries which don't have central banks, are they not going to look at the tool set which exists to build these things in a decentralized way? I think they are. Like, mm-hmm. what are they going to do? Are they going to build a central bank and then that central bank is going to try and build a digitally native currency in a centralized way? No. Like, they're going to make use of these decentralized uh, um, technologies. And as Bitcoin is and um, uh, you know, maximalist Bitcoiners who, who, who want this idea of like a whole Bitcoin standard where the world runs on Bitcoin. I think we can get there, but I think the way in which we get there is by improving these fiat currencies, um, using these decentralized technologies, but basing them on top of Bitcoin. Um, uh, and then maybe having some fancy schmancy Bitcoin vault or something with arbitrage to be able to keep the pet. I don't know. There's also interesting technologies you can do in order to roll these things out. If you look in the UK, we had the um, the Bristol pound. That was incredibly popular. And part, the, part of the reason it's incredibly popular is because people like a local currency. They feel like, a, um, uh, you know, they just feel kind of some association with it because they're, they're from Bristol. Like if, for example, if Wales were to create a Welsh pound, um, and there are some people within the, the Eskimri sort of Welsh uh, uh, nationalist movement who want to build something like this, like a, a stable currency, uh, which is, is, is 
it's an in, it's it's so censorship resistant that you know the Bank of England or Britain couldn't stamp down on it. People could still use it in a censorship resistant way, um, but it would be stable and it would be federated, and the control would rest in on in the hands of the, the Welsh people, or the control would rest in the hands of the El Salvadorian people. I think that's the direction in which it'll probably go in. Um, does, uh, does Wales have its own banknotes like Scotland and Northern Ireland? No, 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 no. It doesn't. It's a bit unfair. It is a bit unfair, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'll bring it up in our next meeting. Although it's fucking annoying when you get like a Scottish £20 note. And then no one will accept no it. No one will accept you it. You get to do your little, this is legal tender it's, rant, yeah, don't you? Yeah, it's legal tender because <laughs> it's worth £19. It's one of my favourite generic rants you can have <laughs> at people. Well, it's like my kids always get, um, my mum, my uh, bless her, she, uh, she actually, it's five years yesterday and she died. Uh, oh, big shout out to my mum because she's the person who got me in She's the reason I do this. Um, oh, yeah, I heard that story. So you, you were trying to get uh, medical yeah. uh, treatment for her. Yeah, it's getting uh, cannabis oil because she was yeah she was dying from cancer and we wanted to get her to treat her. We got it too late, but that was... Uh, God, that's incredible, isn't it? Cannabis oil, something which is so abundant and yeah. should be easy to access. Fucking banned. So, yeah, so m- my dad was like, oh, Pete, um, how are we going to do this? I was like, oh, you remember they uh, used to buy cocaine, cocaine on the internet? I had that property. He's like, yeah, so it was the same thing. So we bought the Bitcoin and then... Sadly, mum passed, but yeah, it was five years ago yesterday, so that's amazing. It's gone so quick, but thanks, mum. But she used to give my kids their Christmas presents or their birthday presents, and it was always like Northern Irish 20-pound notes, and then the kids were like, Dad, I don't want this, can you give me like... (laughs) So I'd have to swap them, and then I'd go, and people wouldn't accept it, although give it that weird fucking look. I used to love getting the, the Scottish bank notes there the, because you get the one pound notes. So you can like, <laughs> you feel like a gazillion big wedge of uh, uh, money. Um, I'm nearing 40. <laughs> right, so I'm 43. So you remember the pound note? Yeah, in Scotland, yeah. 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 They've, got, they've got rid of that. Yeah, there's no pound note anymore. Oh, man, that it's, was so much fun. We haven't had pound notes for years. I don't know if this, they might still have Scotland, cause it's, uh, but we don't have it here. But do you, no, in Scotland. Did yeah. you, do you have the, you're old enough to remember the half penny? Maybe I, I mean, I'm old enough to remember finding them in the house, like yeah. under sofas and things, and being like, "What? What is this?" So when I was about five, <laughs> we used to go swimming at the local pool, and you know the penny sweets. Yeah. They used to have the ones that were half penny, so we used to have that half penny coin. I mean, I've, you know, at that stage now, the certain places, I think it's in Canada, they've got rid of everything under. I think it's Canada, everything under five cents, and they just kind of round it. Yeah, because it costs more than a penny to make a penny. Or something. Well, this is this is another interesting topic we should probably go into. Is just that. Um, uh, physical currency is is being used less and less, but then there are still services which are reliant upon physical currency, such as the sweet machine and the arcade machine. And well, the, you're replacing those with cards. Well, yeah, but I mean, you can't. Do you know I, what I can, think? Can I go more... and buy some sweets in a sweet machine with a card? Can I go buy, you know, like some? I mean, you you can, but then you have to have this thing which is online all the time and is always being connected to the internet. Do you know? What I think one of the biggest losses will be for removing physical currency is buskers buskers yeah. and beggars beggars and buskers yeah. i know i feel terrible and every time you walk past you're like have you got a card machine like yeah. do, do you accept well i always carry right? like, i always carry cash i need to start doing that yeah, yeah I, need I to start doing that i just keep a small amount of, a bit like you know bitcoin cold storage you have a small amount of lightning on your phone yeah. i always have you know about a hundred pound in the house and so i've always got cash yeah. just for the times when you want cash you want to give someone cash and uh, plus you don't want to be tracked on everything no but I think again, this is this is why all these big central um, uh, central banks are exploring uh, digitally native currencies. Is they understand that you need cash-like functions uh, for a, a digital currency, and we can't be using this legacy Visa network system. It's just unfit for purpose uh, in the modern age. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, when it happens, I'll, I'll probably use the the digital pound. Um, but I do I do hope, and I think it's a good way as well for countries you know, which are 
under something like USD hegemony, where you're empowering. Um, uh, I mean, actually, Bekele had a really good point on this which, about the dollar in particular, which was if they do, you know, some sort of fiscal uh, stimulus where they can create some quantitative easing and then they create some, you know, bolster industry or something within the US, uh, they, they, you know, they have the benefits of that. They have the new motorway, they have the new dam, whatever. Um, but then all these countries which are reliant upon their currency, they don't see any of those benefits. It was Jack Mallers who said to me when we were in El Salvador, he said, when they're issuing stimulus checks, none of, the, none of those are reaching no, El Salvador. No, exactly, none of them are reaching El Salvador. And it's a really kind of interesting point. So it's well within the interest, they're incentivized, these, these countries, particularly which using other, currency, other countries' currencies, they're incentivized to, um, uh, to, to wiggle out of it and build their own currencies. And if it's if this easy enough to do, I think it'll, it will happen. Um, and that will be, you know, the next sort of step in Bitcoin domination. <laughs> Well, listen, I can't, let, I can't let you off the hook that quickly on the political stuff because I've still got a bit more. Yeah, there was an interest. I'll go, but let's go back to the political yeah. stuff. So you said something about you don't want um, a uh, overnight revolution. I agree with you completely. I think it's terrible, overnight revolution. And there was a problem with, uh, particularly on the left side, um, where they had this historical materialism. So they looked at how in which the society changes and they would look at something like the French Revolution. It was bloody and it was you know, sudden, um, and then you had this uh, uh, this society changed, or I mean, it didn't change for very long, you had some other, you know, Napoleon take control or whatever. But anyway, you, you have society change in these little big bloodbaths. And there was always this assumption that that's how society would, would go from um, like a capitalist uh, for-profit production system to something like a socialist, full socialist system, is it would be something which was bloody. And then it's like, well, let's bring about that bloody event. You know, um, uh, uh, let's create that overnight revolution. And, uh, um, Gramsci, who was uh, the uh, leader of the Italian Communist Party, he believed in something called a slow, a slow revolution. He, he had this thing called, um, oh, what's it called? Cultural hegemony, which is basically kind of common sense. Like, what's the common sense of the age? Okay, and then uh, you've always got to kind of challenge the common sense of the age. So when you know slavery existed, it's, it's like, well, it's okay to do slavery because they're not real people. You know, they're like worth half a person or something. And that was the common sense of the age. Or when child labor existed, well, it's, you know, it's, it's fine for that five-year-old to climb up that chimney uh, because, you know, they need to be able to provide for their family or something. And that's kind of the common sense of the end. Now we look back at those things and we think that's horrible and we, 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 we understand that they're bad things. Um, and then similarly, when you look at uh, um, working environments, you know, like uh, uh, worker rights and uh, whether people are exploited in, in workplace or not, obviously some people have incredibly fulfilling jobs, but a lot of people are exploited in the well, workplace. I can, we can talk about that because I was listening to a podcast about Amazon on the way here, yeah. which really struck a chord with me in uh, how Amazon operates its business. Where all the employees really happy and well, the pl well, they pretend that, but they they have phones on them that track them yeah, if they don't sucks. pick something up at a certain speed, a certain time. They, they can be yeah, they can, and they can, then they can be fired. Yeah. That the delivery drivers are on such tight time scales that they're basically pissing in bottles to get to the next. Well, this thing. is this is what Adam Smith talked about <laughs> in Wealth of Nations, the division of labour. So if you if you if you make the workplace efficient, which is so this is the this is the overarching problem with for profit private capital is that eventually when your capital could only grow so far, you need to start putting downward pressure on worker, workers. So you need to reduce their wages. You need to increase their, 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 their efficiency and how much they can produce in the period in which they're employed for. Um, and uh, uh, in order to increase your profits, and, and that's a lot easier to, it's hard to do. So as I'm going back to before about different forms of capital, and if you've got the big corporation, it's easy to incorporate because you're disconnected from everything, can't you? In a small to you know, medium-sized enterprise, which I love, by the way, I, 
love the local coffee shop and mm-hmm. the, the, the entrepreneur who has a bunch of businesses in his local community and he has a connection with the people, the employees who work there. He understands that, you know, one of them may have a kid going off to university and give, slip them some more hours or increase their wage a little. So there's this kind of a human bond and human connection within that working environment and that form of private capital, which is, which is great. All too often that gets stamped out by, you know, more efficient private capital. And this is the problem with monopoly and um, division of labor. Uh, but that's, um, that then becomes, this was, I was just listening to your uh, Austin Hill uh, podcast. How fucking good is Austin Hill? He's great, isn't he? Isn't he amazing? He's great, but I, he was talking about the singularity and he's talking yep. about, and this is another contradiction is, A, you have all this downward pressure on workers and wages as well. So then eventually people, you know, are going to struggle to buy the things in which you're producing. So he talked about that singularity, which I think he said was like 2040 or something is going to happen. Is the, uh, is the singularity where Amazon runs everything? Well, no, it can't. <laughs> Because there's no for profit. Because if the no one, you're not employing anyone. The robots literally do everything. Mm-hmm. So the, the robots are the, the teachers, the doctors, the the the, the Amazon driver, the, the the farmer. Every every all human beings, human human labor can be um, uh, replaced by much more efficient robots. And this is what I quite like about Bitcoin. Is it's actually Bitcoiners are, are they're quite good at being futurists and they understand that how technology will advance and they appreciate something like you know robots. Um, uh, doing pretty much everything which humans can do uh, better will probably happen, and it will probably happen quite soon. And this Austin Hill, you mentioned this in your in your podcast, and then it's a case of well, then how 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 are the robots incentivized like to to make the things, to to pick the food, the, the, the to, in order, why why are they going to exist? Like who's going to own them? Like because Amazon can't exist, you know. There's there's no for profit me- there's no for profit functions there. Um, are they going to be controlled by state? I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, uh, I think the 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 best scenario in that because I was thinking about this, listening to Austin Hill thing, the best scenario in that circumstance would be that they're owned um, as commons, um, as productive commons, uh, and then because this is at a moment where humans have ultimate abundance. Explain of, of productive production. commons. So. Um, when you first had like property rights in something like the Magna Carta, there's also the uh, Charter of the Forest, which was drawn up, which was that the people of England could access the forest and they could forage. Um, and they were very good, actually, uh, with those rights, at maintaining that commons, because uh, it was within their interest. You know, if someone went in and started chopping down loads of trees and, um, and then destroying the, 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 the natural harvest which exists within the forest, then uh, the rest of the community would kind of attack them for it because they, that would mean that they couldn't draw as, as, as much from the, from the from foraging from the forest. And that's a commons, okay? Um, and my argument would be that Bitcoin is in fact a, a commons. You know, mm-hmm. if you start attacking it, you know, you start, then people are going to, the, the people, the users are going to attack you for attacking it. That's fair. Um, uh, interestingly enough, actually, the Charter of the Forest, that was encapsulated in the, the Robin Hood mythology, by the way. Um, uh, uh, you know, still from the rich to, to, to give to the poor and all that sort of stuff. So the, um, where was I going? Oh yeah, Charter Char- of the Forest, commons. Commons there. What were we talking about with the carbon? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So they, so yeah, yeah, so that's the idea, isn't it? So I actually think that, um, obviously a lot of Bitcoiners refuse to admit that there is any sort of climate problem and that human, um, access to that. There's, they, they think that there's an unlimited amount of resources on the planet and we can't damage the planet by producing too much stuff. I, I'm kind of on the other side of the argument. I'm, I think that I'm we, with you on that we can damage the planet and we are screwing the planet. It's quite scary. Yeah. Um, and we need to have a better ecological, um, a relationship with with the planet and i actually think that the the, the robots being able to do everything uh, and being able to harvest for example will be a good thing so if you look at farming for example now it's two-dimensional you have a field you've got to get a plow and you plow through it and you get all the you know the, the corn or the the, the straw the wheat whatever from the field 
Um, but the actual most efficient yield-wise when it comes to farming is something like permaculture where you have like a, a, a forest, you know, and you have mm-hmm. like things growing on the floor, you have things growing in the tree, in the bush, um, and you have like three-dimensional farming and you have much greater yield per square meter. The only problem is with that type of farming is it's incredibly hard to, um, to harvest. Uh, whereas if you have like these little bots which can fly around harvesting, like it makes sense to reforest the planet. So I do think that when you get to that point, Instead of having like two-dimensional farming, suddenly all these fields would be filled with forests and we'll reforest. But and the forest trees are the best technology to be able to lock up carbon, which there's too much of in the in the atmosphere right we, now. We're going on, we're going on tangents here. I don't mind discussing climate. I want to get back to the Amazon and companies yes, as a comment. So, yes, so, so, yeah, so this, is, this, was, no, this, was, this was kind of my point. Because I think I'm going to disagree with you here. <laughs> this, this was kind of my point was, I mean, who owns the robots? Like who... And it's kind of a scary thought to think of. A well, Amazon owns the robots. How are they going to own the robots? Because there's there's no there's no one to sell anything to because nobody works anywhere because no one works. Oh, so you're going so far down the line. I mean, is that far down the line, or do you think that do you think humans will get to a point where we can everything we can do can be replaced by technology? Uh, More yes or less. and yes and no. I don't think so, and. and Probably not in my lifetime, but I, I certainly see the trajectory. That's what the singularity is. That's, that's... And I see the trajectory. You know, mm. I see the trajectory of maybe lorry drivers being replaced by autonomous lorries. But for a period of time, you're going to have to have a driver in the autonomous lorry checking that it doesn't go and crash into a bunch of school children. And we're going to have incidents where shit like that happens and people question it. So I, I, the trajectory is there, but I'm, I'm interested in where we are right now because... My issue with Amazon, which, uh, you know, I've got so many things I want to talk about with Amazon, but my issue with Amazon is that uh, they're treating the employees like shit. Um, their only goal is to make money, and they're destroying businesses. I mean, our high street in Bedford's dead. Our Waterstones doesn't exist anymore. And I used to like taking my kids there, and we would browse the books and buy a couple of books. That, that experience But we is destroyed dead. it, though, didn't we, as consumers? We have, we have you know, and I'm part I of the... I buy pro- things from Amazon, you buy things, everyone buys things from Amazon. I'm part of the problem, yeah, but do you know what I do want someone to do? I want someone to fork Amazon and create not Amazon.com, uh, give every company the access to the platform to list their products, but you can order from them and you can compare the price and say, if you buy from Amazon, it's X, okay, you're going to pay £2 more from this, but the delivery driver is not right. going to have to this piss is a, in a bottle. This is a very interesting, I've got an interesting thought experiment for you. So you have Amazon, which exists right now. Yeah. And then we create using all this crazy decentralized technology. Okay. We realize that uh, Jeff Bezos is a bug leeching. Oh, he's a cunt. Let's be he's honest. He's leeching a hell of a lot of value out of that system. So, mm. I mean, you can't say that a more efficient system can't, like, can exist. Can't exist. You get rid of Jeff Bezos and then reinvest that money back into Amazon. You know, there we are. It's a better system. Um, so you have Amazon. And you have decentralized Amazon.com. Not Amazon.com. Yeah, well, not Amazon.com. Right. Uh, the products, I mean, I'm going to go a step further. I'm going to say the products on both of these pages, on both these websites, right, they're exactly the same. They cost exactly the same. Same suppliers. No, it doesn't even matter, right? They're, they're exactly the same product. You go on both, and this is, this is a hypothetical thought experiment, okay? And it's for mm-hmm. the listeners as well, and they have to be honest with themselves, okay? Um, now, you have a choice. Are you going to go to the Amazon where you know people uh, you know, have the beep thing? And this is, this is utopian, hypothetical, could probably never exist. Or do you go to the decentralized Amazon where the producers get more or less like 99.9% of the, the value um, and then you know, 0.01% goes towards bounties for the decentralized Amazon software or something. But, and so instead of the, the people working in the regular normal Amazon getting you know, 
70% of the, uh, the value of their labor and 30% going to, to Jeff Bezos. Um, the, uh, the, the people working in the, or working with the cooperative decentralized, not, for, you know, uh, not Amazon, whatever it is, or, or maybe it's just like a direct marketplace, kind of like a, an eBay type thing, but it's really good, right? If you've got the exact same products, they cost the exact same amount as a human being, which one are you going to go to? Well, it's kind of obvious. It's an obvious but, answer. But you're now. not going to get that. You're not going to get that. The, the, the efficiency will come from the centralized Amazon. You always will get a better service in terms of uh, packing, picking, delivery from that. But the decentralized one, I think the way the decentralized one wins is that you know more is going to the producer. You know the people delivering it aren't pissing in bottles. You know people aren't getting sacked by a beeper. And by the way, if people want to listen to this one, I listened to it, it was Rogan interviewing the, I can't remember the names, the two people who left the hill, Saga and the, anyway, they've set their own podcast up. Like they, this is what they're talking about. I was listening to that on the way up. But but yeah, I, I just, yeah, but it's not even that, Ben. Right now, I want someone to make not Amazon, which is just the listing. Do you know what I'm going to do? Do you know what I do? From this show, I'm going to, a little thought, little experiment. What's the date? What's I mean, date? I didn't want to talk about the technology stuff, but I, mean, no. I could talk to you about Diagon Alley, which is basically what? what you're saying. What's the date today? What's the date? It's the 13th. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Um, okay. I'm going to go for a month for that Amazon, mm. and I'm going to document my experience and just, just see what it's like, yeah. because I've probably got one pa- an average of package a day mm. probably coming because of you know, equipment. I'm going to do a month without it and, and go through the experience, see what it's like, and just... Because I want to get away from Amazon. Do you think, do you think, so you say that it's never going to happen, that a hierarchical, feudalist corporate structure is far more efficient than something of a decentralized nature when it comes to producing things. Um, Again, it depends on tooling in my opinion, but do you think that it's worth like exploring building something like a decentralized Amazon? Yes, absolutely. Even if you know that it's probably not going to work. Before we carry on with the interview, I do have a quick message from my show sponsors. This show is brought to you by Compass Mining, and Compass aren't just a sponsor. I am a customer of theirs, and I am mining Bitcoin with them. Do you know I've been mining for over three months with them now? I've mined about 0.4 Bitcoin, which is pretty cool. I'm going to try and do updates on this every month. But with the price of where Bitcoin is, I'm approaching having, I think, about a third of my mining equipment paid off. I love that I'm mining again because Compass has made it accessible to anyone as a Bitcoiner to get out there and start mining and contribute to the decentralized growth of the hash rate. It was so easy to get onboarded and anyone can do it. You just pick your machines, choose your hosting facility and Compass does everything else for you. Now, if you want to find out more, if you want to start mining, please head over to compassmining.io, which is C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G dot I-O. Next up today, we have Gemini who I am now using exclusively for buying and selling Bitcoin. And do you know what? We're coming up to a year and I've still not sold a single sat through Gemini. I am only buying Bitcoin. I am a hodler. That's all I'm doing. Now, I have been using the Gemini app for buying the dips, but I've also set up my DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin. And I'm yet to see a better or easier interface for buying Bitcoin. With a streamlined training view, you have access to all the tools you need to understand Bitcoin and start investing all through one clear, attractive interface. And Gemini are running a special offer for listeners of what Bitcoin did. All you need to do is head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD and new customers will get $20 in Bitcoin when they trade $100 or more on Gemini. Now, if you want to find out more, please do head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD. That is G-E-M-I-N-I.com forward slash WBD. 
Next up, we have my new sponsor to the show, which is Level, a company finally delivering on the promise of a Bitcoin bank. Yes, a bank on your phone where you can deposit, spend and hold Bitcoin. And you can also do this alongside a traditional dollar checking account. You can deposit your payroll into your account as a US user, and you can even spend your Bitcoin from your account via your MasterCard debit card. I have been testing it out. I've been playing with the app, and it is everything I've ever wanted from personal banking. And there's so many more updates coming. They've got some big updates coming in February, so keep an eye out for that. Now, if you do want to find out more, if you want to go and check it out, please head over to Level, which is LVL.co, or search for Level, which is LVL, in the Google or Apple app stores. Also, we have sportsbet.io, the very best place for online gaming because they're badasses and they accept Bitcoin. Now we are well into the football season and you know what? Things are going all right. It's been a pretty good season so far for Liverpool. Tottenham struggling as ever. We always like it that way. Now, if you are interested in football, if you do want to make a bet and if you want to use your Bitcoin, then sportsbet.io is the place to go. But they don't just cover football. They also cover tennis, motorsports, US sports. They even cover esports. And for new customers, they always have a range of promotions available. So if you want to find out more, please head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions, which is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O forward slash promotions. I... Because hmm. so, this is so few, so so few sake. So going back to you know, I mean, if, for any of the listeners who are still hanging on, for um, going back to that concept of, of something like socialism being a, a collection of different, you know, the, the anti-state socialists, the state socialists, the libertarian socialists, etc. Okay, so socialism itself. If you just, just define socialism, what it is. Okay, so it's the means um, advocating that the means of production, distribution, and exchange be owned or regulated by the community as a whole. Mm-hmm. Just advocating. So it's, it's literally just saying, I think that the decentralized Amazon is better and I would like to try and build that thing, right? Because I think it'd be better for human beings. I agree. Because they have some, you know, ownership of the, 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 the company. They, 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 they have more value to take home because they don't have the um, uh, exploitative wage, downward pressure on wages, right? Even though that may be a complete impossibility. I mean, people said the same things about getting rid of slavery, by the way, just to, you know, put into context, going back to the idea of Gramsci and the, the, the cultural hegemony of the time and the common sense of the time, slavery was the most efficient way to produce things, okay? Now we understand it's not, like it's more efficient if you have workers, you have employed and they have families and they have homes and they can have private property. That's we why Amazon needs better. unions. Maybe, I mean, the unions, they, they can only go so far and they, they often get caught. I'm a big union person. I, I'm still a member of my teaching union from when I was a teacher and I'm not a teacher anymore. So, um, you know, I, I very much like unions. I, li- I think there needs to be upward pressure on that downward pressure, which mm. comes down. And, and one of those one of those mechanisms, one of the best mechanisms for that is things like unions cur- currently. But I do think that in a free market, if you have a completely free market, what's to stop? I mean, again, like a laissez-faire free market capitalist, they have to accept this as part of the, the doctrine that a cooperative could join that free market and could, you know, potentially, theoretically, hypothetically, in a utopian world, outcompete the private capital. And then if it does, is that worth advocating? Is that worth like exploring, pushing, helping develop, nurture, nurturing? Um, and it goes back to that, just that natural innate ability humans have to be able to empathize with other human beings, that the human beings working in decentralized Amazon are much happier than the human beings working in the centralized Amazon. And although 
centralized, decentralized Amazon may be impossible. Um, it's still worth advocating for and actually building towards. And that's a socialist ideology right there. But I think you can, I think you can build a better centralized Amazon. So great example. Everyone's pissed off with YouTube at the moment. They're censoring the fuck out of people. <laughs> might, might even happen with this, this show. Uh, we, we've seen people who've been deplatformed. De some are getting it back, some not. Brett Weinstein lost his channel. Pomp lost his for a day. Bitcoin Magazine the other day. You know, there's that fear that you might lose that channel. Uh, Matt O'Dell's created Bitcoin TV. Very good. Yeah, in preparation for that. And you know what? That's centralized, but it's it's an opt-out. But it is centralized to an extent. You know, it's run by that team that run Bitcoin TV, and I'm cool with that. I would be cool with somebody coming out and saying, I'm going to build centralized, not Amazon. And everybody can list their products. This is the way we operate. And maybe that, maybe centralized, not Amazon, start centralized and, and has a roadmap to become decentralized. Um, and I don't know all the answers. I, don't, I think some things are hard to build decentralized. And I don't mind an incentive structure for someone to build a better Amazon, an ethical Amazon. Um, I ordered some things yesterday. It's funny as fuck. We're having this conversation. Look, I just got a fucking text message from Amazon. Delivered your package. I fucking, because I had ordered a bunch of things for my football clubs and balls and bibs and shit, yeah. and I just got it on Amazon because that's the way you do it. It's just easy. It's done. Mm -hmm. It comes the next day. But if not Amazon existed, and it's like, I, I want to see the comparison. You order on Amazon and you order on not Amazon. This is the delivery time of both. This is the cost. It might be like, oh, it's going to be another day and you're going to pay £2 more. But... This is what the drivers are paid. These drivers are not under pressure. People aren't being sacked. I think that marginal increase in cost, I'm always going to be happy to pay that, not to service a basically scumbag slave system. Like, let's uh, think about let's think about the tooling. So, um, uh, I mean, I didn't want to. I mean, so a big disclaimer on all of my sort of political views. They've got no association with any of the free and open source projects I work on. Um, I mean, what, this is what's great about some of the projects which I'm working on, that, that we have very diverse political opinions and um, uh, some of them are completely the opposite side of the, the, you know, the political spectrum to me and we still get on great and we still create great cool software. Okay, so one of the things we became excited in, in LMBits was, was payment splitting. So we had this... Explain LMBits to people so they know LMBits is basically like a WordPress for your lightning node. So if you've got a lightning node, you want it to serve different purposes. If you're a content creator, you might want it to, you know, you might want to be able to throw up a QR code on your YouTube video, for example, or whatever. So you, you have all these different extensions and you can develop, you can extend bits in any direction you want to extend it. And if you're a merchant, then you can have like a point of sale or a, um, a, a product management or something or some sort of front-facing shop. So you have all these different extensions. So if you think about what was successful about WordPress, is it's a very simple blogging website development tool. You install it and then you build it in the direction you want to build it in. And you can customize it. And Alambits is essentially that. It's a Lightning Wallets account system which sits on top of your node, but you have all these extensions so you can develop in any which way you want. So one of the extensions which was created by FHF was for um, Crypto Graffiti. He did a set at the San Francisco. Um, Love uh, you, Crypto old, Graffiti. Old Fed thing, I think it was the old uh, Federal Reserve. Um, a DJ set during the, the lockdown COVID stuff. Uh, one of the cool things about it, so he put an LN, URL pay on the screen, so basically a static QR code. You can use Lightning to pay. Okay, now if you paid enough, you would then get as a receipt a download link for the song which he's playing. Um, but one of the functions in the software, which actually PHF didn't, and, and Crypto didn't immediately pick up on as being super cool, but people in the Alan Bits chat really liked, is the fact that when you made a payment, 10% went to the DJ, 90% went to the producer. So at point of sale, 
the payment was split. So we all became excited about that. And now we've created like a dedicated split payments um, extension. So you can say, well, when money comes into this wallet, I want it to go X amount to go to this wallet, this wallet, this wallet. So then you think about how that could infect, uh, you know, a micro venture. Like we're going to go sell coffee on the street, okay? I'm going to be working, making the coffees. You're going to be front of house, okay? Um, uh, we're going to have some of the people working there. They're going to be doing this, that. And then we decide how much of at point of sale, like how much percentage do we, are we each, do we each get? You know, who's working the hardest? Who's got the most responsibility? Maybe. How do you figure out who's working the hardest? Well, maybe, maybe. I don't know. You maybe have phones to track you. How long you take well, to this make is, the this coffee? Is a, this is, <laughs> no, but this is a very interesting question. So you then, so you have that again, hypothetically utopian, right? You have that small scale production of, of coffee, right? Now, now you think, well, maybe if I buy a, a laptop in a shop at point of sale, then maybe um, X percent could go to distribution, X percent could go to sales, X percent could go to manufacturing. And then when it hits those wallets, it could split again. And we could do this because we have microtransactions. This is one of the cool things about mm -hmm. microtransactions. So the cleaner in the factory on the factory floor looks at their wallet and they're getting these sats just rolling in, right? Sometimes the sats start to slow down. They start to get less sats. And they're like, well, why is that? And there starts to be some discussion on the shop floor. Like, why am I getting less sats? Like, oh, it's because we just made the, the percentage smaller for sales because distribution, they, they needed more money for this, that, and another. And then, and then the, 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 the people in, you know, on the shop floor are like, well, that's not, you know, actually, we need, we need more sales to be able to sell. And they're like, well, and there becomes this discussion. And this is kind of like, when you talk about, the failure of something like DAOs, people aren't incentivized to, um, to discuss and to, to actively engage and vote on, on decision-making. Whereas if it's, it actively affects the amount of stats they can see pouring into their wallet, I think that kind of changes. This is utopian sort of science fiction. Now, when it comes to tax collection, so Bitcoin makes tax collection infinitely harder, okay? Mm -hmm. One of the best forms of tax collection, and it's also quite fair, I think, as well, is VAT, value-added tax, which people buy loads of stuff, so they pay more tax. If we've got payment splitting, and if we have ultimate privacy, of course, as users, and this is my utopia, and uh, uh, government, shrunken Bitcoin-dominated government has, um, uh, well, we have ultimate transparency because we have their read keys and we can we have their public keys. We can see where all the money's going. When I pay for that coffee, okay, my 20% tax or my 10% tax can go directly at point of sale to government. Okay, so now that coffee shop doesn't have to worry about doing tax returns and stuff, right? Maybe you could extend that further. Maybe in my wallet, I can say, this is a very progressive, you know, Bitcoin government, shrunken government now. Maybe I can say, well, I want, you know, 50% to go to education, 40% to go to healthcare, 5% to go to um, the roads, 5% to go to, 5% to go to uh, military. And then at point of sale, I'm making a democratic decision. I'm saying, this is where I want my tax money to go. I'm spending this money. I'm investing this money in my government. So, but is it voluntary or you have to spend a certain amount? Well, you have to, you yeah, so, so basically, if you're a government and you're trying to tax businesses, physical, real world, you know, brick and mortar businesses, then, and, and this is in a, you know, in a Bitcoin world where people are using Lightning Network and Bitcoin, it's very easy to kind of like hide money. One of the best ways to tax people is to say, look, you've got to have this point of sale and at point of sale, Tax has to come to us. The X percent has to come to us. This is the medium term. Okay, this is far away from our um, our robot utopia. Okay, or whatever. Or, or, um. So, what I'm saying is that when you have different tooling, like we have payment splitting, microtransactions, payment splitting, um, then different ways of of money flowing through the system. We, we don't need the money managers which you would have. So now, when you're talking about how centralized feudal Amazon will always outcompete decentralized Amazon. 
centralized feudal Amazon, like part of their power is it's just like state. Part of their power is in the money management. Right? Mm -hmm. If you could take away the money management, um, and then if you can somehow use this new tooling, and it's it's if that that thing where because you're breaking new ground and you're you're working with tools which haven't existed before, you've got to think of um, of, of use cases for them which aren't immediately apparent. Right, so. Um, uh, which is very hard to do. And it, it becomes obvious as, as, you know, when you look back, you know, uh, with retrospect after six months later, you think, oh yeah, of course, you know, well, why wouldn't we have payment splitting and then someone in the kitchen receiving the sats directly when a point of sale is made with the coffee. Um, but it, it kind of takes a while to experiment with this technology and with this tooling. But I do think that the technology and the tooling we're building is going to build fairer forms of production like, like that, for example. It's going to work towards the, 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 the decentralized Amazon thing. Um, so when you were talking before as well, so I don't want to talk too much about the projects which I'm involved in because I don't want I don't want to associate my, my ridiculous political ideology with that. Yeah, but like people listening who do that need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, like you just need to shut the fuck up and let, allow everyone to talk and so, be heard. Because so if you don't, of, sorry, I, I just yeah. never ran here. Is that if if we scare people off from having even opinions or having conversations, we're rebuilding the shit that we don't like. And that's one of the things that really fucking pisses me off like about some of these morons on Twitter who literally dogpile in and shout people down to the point they're, they're scared to actually say what they want to think. They're, they're, they're creating a new form of self-censorship where people are like, I don't, want to share, I don't want to share my opinions because I get shouted at. And then the, the marketplace for ideas is being destroyed. Yeah, so I, I'm just going to have a rant. If anyone fucking goes at uh, the work that Ben's being done or his colleagues, because Ben's ideas, you're a fucking idiot. You need to shut the fuck up. Sorry, no, over. Yeah, I feel like my big brother just waded in and no, told but it's the just off. it just does my it does my head in because what we do is what we're doing is we're we're killing the conversation. Well, this is this is an important point. So this is the difference it's between it's re bullshit. rhetoric and dialectic. Okay, so the dialectic is thesis, antithesis, synthesis. Right. So mm -hmm. how do you how do you come up with better ideas? Well, you have your ideas challenged, and then you incorporate. You know, so you know, like, like when you were younger and you were like, yeah, I'm full lefty. And then you had your ideas challenged and you sort of started to realize that actually, you know, the capitalism stuff, it's not all evil, like, like it's made out to be. And actually, mm. if you have better free markets, then maybe it's not as bad. And then you change your opinion and you, you lean in a different way. And then with quite often with people with extreme viewpoints on either side of the spectrum, it's rhetoric. They just, they shout opinions. And then if anyone challenges those opinions, then they... Like you say, they go after them, they mute them, they block them, whatever. Um, Bitcoin, I mean, like you say, like a lot of these conversations, to originally just to, because I saw in 2016, 17, I think it was probably around then, that there was this real co-option and this real idea that, that, that Bitcoin was exclusively for an ANCAP, Austrian economics, whatever. And I thought, hold on, that doesn't make any sense. I don't think that way. I don't believe in those things. I mean, I see value in them, but I, you know, I'm much more left-leaning socialist anarchist, sort of socialist libertarian type. Um, I, I, my, I changed my handle on Twitter to uh, the Bitcoin Socialist, and that really. Uh oh. You know, <laughs> uh oh. And I was there for years, man, and I was I was I was flying that lefty flag, um, and people blocked and muted me to, to to hell. But I had lots of people when I went to real world events, uh, conferences, and things. I mean, even people with you know. I would say that people actually working on stuff in Bitcoin, like actually developing things, a lot of them are very apolitical and pragmatic like yourself and believe that the world's nuanced and complicated, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I would also have a lot of people who would come up to me and say, oh, you know, I'm so glad you kind of waved the flag because, you know, I, I agree with you. And I, th I do think it's these free open source software. It's copyleft. It's, you know, decentralized decision making. It's blah, blah, blah. And we have all these conversations and like, like people start to admit that actually. And now there are some good Telegram groups um, 
people now being more outspoken. Uh, and I think it's in direct response to this kind of like co-option and this, this idea of rhetoric of just saying, this is Bitcoin, this is how it works. And this is, you know, what sort of society it will build. It'll be citadels and it'll be... Blah, blah. And it's like, oh, hold on, will it be all that stuff? Well, this is what I feel a sense of responsibility to when people were saying, Pete, you need to get some more left-leaning people on the show. And, and people, you know, you were tagged and get Ben in, talk to Ben. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I mean, I... You know, the incentive structure for yeah. running a podcast is... Um, Don't audi- off your audience. No, uh, audience, no it's, 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 it's audience capture. Yeah. Okay? If you have an audience, capture it. Speak, speak in their language. Grow your downloads. Create your loyalty. And then advertise your downloads to your sponsors, and your sponsors will spend more money. Okay? That's the incentive structure. But I talked about, I talk about this with Danny, my producer. It's a shame he's not here. I wish we could have met him. But we talk about this a lot. And we always say, we, 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 I mean, I was literally on the phone to him on the way down and said, we are never, ever not going to make a show because we're worried about what the audience thinks. We always want to be known as a show that, that will talk to anyone. And we had it recently, right? Go, go back a few weeks. I did this on purpose. In the same week, I had, I think it was maybe in consecutive shows, I had Laura Luma, mm. you know, who I think her ideas are fucking mad and I fundamentally disagree with her. I think she's antagonistic. I think she discriminates against people. I think she has uh, siloed her own opinions. Uh, and I fundamentally disagree with her. I told her. I said, I disagree with your ideas. Uh, and I got a whole bunch of people like on YouTube com- complaining about having her on. Other people saying, well done, having her on. And other people saying, you're an idiot. The next show, I think it was the next show, I had Anita Posh on. Yeah? And we had a ve- and, and, yeah, Anita's very much on the left. And we had a conversation which was about the financial uh, patriarchy. And the title alone was triggering people like, what's this fucking bullshit? What are you on about? It's like, there is a financial patriarchy. Yeah, there is. Like absolutely. If, if, you, yeah. if you're in complete fucking... White men control. It still exists. Yeah, it does. And in certain parts of society, in certain countries, there's absolutely a yeah. patriarchy that controls and oppresses women. And that, co- that does come through money. To deny that is, well, it's fucking ludicrous. But what I'm saying is, in that week, I've had polar extremes on the show because you can listen to people and get ideas. And that's what we should have. So I'm always going to have... I, you know what? I want to talk to the people people want me not to talk to. That's mm. actually what I want to do because I want to learn from everybody. And I think if we can all listen to each other, we can take things forward. We can... You know, I, I'm not a socialist. I like the NHS and I, can, and I think I can learn from you. Well, I'm going to learn from you because your, your recall history is incredible. Um, and I can learn from everyone, and that's what we should do. Not this fucking yelling and giving each other shit, because actually it becomes very authoritarian. It's much more comfortable if you think that you have the answers to, 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 to society and to the world, the material world, and that you're on the right side of history. It's much harder to think, to question your own cultural hegemony and to think, well, am I on the right side of history? Am I doing the right things? Could things be better? Can things improve? That's more difficult and harder to do. It's much easier to be just sort of black and white, okay, binary, um, and this is what you get a lot of within, uh, I don't know, I mean, maybe all this stuff all is... All circles, it's not just Bitcoin. All circles. But maybe a lot of this stuff is, is you know, surveillance capitalism, maybe the, the incentive structures and things like Twitter and Facebook and things. Maybe, maybe they, they propagate uh, this way of thinking. They certainly do. They Al- certainly Al- do. Algorithms have fucked... Yeah, humans. Al- algorithms have fucked the people who refuse to step back and realize that algorithms have fucked them. Yeah. Like, once you recognize the algorithms are fucking you... Yeah. Like you can step back. You can step back. And one of the most important things I think some people can do is, is question yourself. Could I be wrong? 
Yeah. I do all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, I came out with the most ridiculous statement sometimes. I came out one at the start of the pandemic. I was like, yeah, we should lock down everyone. And I realized I was wrong. <laughs> did you ever Did you ever see that um, uh, Mitchell and Webb sketch where they're dressed as Nazis? No. And then David Mitchell, he's like stood there and he's sort of looking quizzically in the air and he just goes, he turns around to Robert Webb and he says, are we the baddies? <laughs> And I think it's and it, the whole sketch is that is these two Nazis, and then at one point they're like, "Well, we actually have skull and crossbones on our uniform, so we probably are the baddies." Oh fuck! I've got skull and crossbones on my football team. Are oh, you the baddies? <laughs> no, you no, we're the goodies. <laughs> yeah, you're the goodies. Um, but I mean, like, so going back to surveillance capitalism, going back to things we should all use, like Twitter and Facebook, for example, has private capital failed there? Can it be? Should it be done in a way which isn't in the hands of private capital? I think it probably should. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you're aware, I'm going to give a big shout out now to an absolutely phenomenal project, um, uh, which is um, which could solve a lot of these problems. And a lot of us Bitcoiners are incredibly excited about it, even though it has nothing to do with Bitcoin. Apart from it uses Schnorr, uh, uh, public key crypto, which is pretty cool, uh, is Nostar. So notes and other stuff relays. That's what Tell it me about for, it. Nostar. Right. So it's a very simple concept, um, uh, which is that you have client software and then you have these relays, which just relay um, notes, which you send uh, to the relay using WebSockets. The simple example I did was make a kind of Twitter platform. So you have a public key, private key. I have a public key, private key. I subscribe to your public key. You subscribe, and, and, and then anything you sign as a message and send up to one of these relays, I can then pull down because I'm subscribed to your public key. And I can verify that it's you who sent that message. Um, so I made a very simple Nostar Twitter client, okay? Uh, VHF very recently actually like fully like upgraded it. And uh, if you go on, um, oh, crikey, if you go, it's called, um, uh, uh, I've got it on Nostar.com, but that's a fork of his new Twitter client. So actually go on his repo and check it out uh, the actual um, Nostar client. He's the Twitter client he's made. But if you go on Nostar.com, I was like Roger Ver, I like bagged the, uh, the protocol as a domain. Uh, if you go on nostar.com, you'll see there that you, you can do a lot of the stuff you can do on Twitter. And it's not that m much more work which needs to go into it in order to make it a competing system with Twitter. And it's quite interesting as well because these relays can kind of serve different purposes. Like if you're like me and you want kind of quite a vanilla experience when you go on Twitter, I don't want to see anything gross and um, extreme, then I could subscribe to relays. I could connect to these relays which only have that type of content and do filter out like horrible content. But if you're, you know, you want horrible that? stuff. So it depends on the relays, the relay, whoever's running the relay. But there are relays which people won't filter anything. You know? So relays would be reputation based. And these relays, no, I mean, these relays are, um, I mean, that could be a separate relay on its own, just uh, uh, verifying reputation and stuff. But these relay, the point is that they're really easy to spin up. And if you take a relay down, it's not, it's kind of inconsequential because you can just spin up another one and people can just connect to that instead and start communicating over that relay. So kind of the, the, the roots to this concept, and this is quite interesting, was oh. when, I, when I first made Alan Bits, I wanted to show that, um, uh, that with, because we've got these extensions and they're quite easy to make on Alan Bits, I wanted to show that you can make like a proof of concept um, extension. So my proof of concept extension was this something called Diagon Alley. Okay, so thinking about dark markets, I'm not a big fan of dark markets, but I do, um, uh, I appreciate the, the sort of software challenge, as it were. And the problem with dark markets now is if a dark market gets taken out, it sucks for everybody involved. Like people lose their reputation, people lose their money, um, uh, and then they have to go to another service and build up all their reputation and they have to try and prove somehow that they who they say they are. Mm -hmm. So I made this thing called Diagon Alley. And the concept of Diagon Alley was that you would have a, a market stall and you have your products on your market stall. And then you can point those products at a kind of front end 
uh, indexer, which will just index the products. So for the user, you go to the indexer, it's like eBay or Amazon, you pick the products you want. All the communication is being relayed through to the client software, to the person who's actually got the market stall. And you're able to prove that you're you um, uh, using a key. So you're signing you know, notes to say that you're, these are your products and this is your reputation. Right? And you build up that reputation. You, you, you have all those products on the, which you've got listed. Then the indexer gets attacked. It gets taken down. It doesn't matter because that person who has that market stall, they control all the data. They can just point at a different front-end indexer. And this indexer is like free and open source software. It's easy to spin up anywhere. It's like Pirate Pay. You can spin them up anywhere. So it becomes kind of censorship resistant in that, um, not because it's decentralized. I mean, it's, it's just very easy to spin up and very easy to, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it kind of gets taken out. Well, when I made that proof of concept, um, extension, Diagon Alley. So the, the extension was literally just to list some products and then throw them at this indexer. Uh, no one really saw value in it, um, apart from uh, Fiat Jaff, who got involved in the project very early on. Uh, and he kept saying, we need to make something of this, we need to make something of this, and I didn't really get around to it. And then he like extrapolated out the, just you using it for a marketplace thing. And he made, generalized it more into a whole protocol, which is like this Nostar protocol. Can you use it for not Amazon? Yeah, you could use it for not Amazon, yeah, absolutely. So we, we keep, we keep, <laughs> saying to each other, we keep saying, we need to build Diagon Alley, we need to build Diagon Alley. But at the moment, everyone's very excited about the Nostar Twitter thing because you can see that it works. And also you can do things like, so because you're using Schnorr signatures, this is also quite cool as well because we're using Schnorr signatures. We're, we're experimenting with all the libraries um, uh, which have been written for Bitcoin, uh, which haven't really been tested very well. And like, we, we, so it's kind of cool to kind of have like somewhere which doesn't, doesn't involve value really where we can, where we can you know, use those libraries and, and help improve those libraries. Um, but uh, yeah, so everyone's very excited about the Nostar Twitter thing because when you use it- Is it, it decentralized Twitter? I mean, it just doesn't, it just, so I can have a client on my phone, I can access, I can access my messages, I can send, I can post a, a tweet, people who are following my public key. Um, although in, in the new update, it's not public, it's like a, you know, a name, so Ben Ark. People who follow Ben Ark, they can um, pull down that tweet and they can verify that it's from me. But because we're using Schnorr signatures, you could use things, something like a hardware wallet. So if you think about, you know, Nike or something, or some big corporation, McDonald's or I don't know, Donald Trump. Like if you think about um, uh, or like a president or a, a corporation, it would be quite nice to have like multi-sig and then also have like a hardware wallet, which you have to, so you have to like take the note off, sign it, multi-sig it, and then, you know, blast out into the world as something you've, you've, you've uh, produced rather than that control just being in somebody's hand, which could be corrupt or it's more secure as well. So we can do a whole bunch of, um, uh, make use of a whole bunch of Bitcoin things with it. Public key crypto, I mean, it's, it's the answer to a lot of the world's problems. Um, and I, I like the fact that Bitcoin gives a lot more pe exposure to people. Um, and then hopefully Nostar will do that as well. It will give people a lot more exposure. But so direct messaging, for example, in, on a Nostar Twitter, um, uh, we have direct messaging where we can create a shared key using public key crypto. And then we can encrypt uh, a message and I can send it to you. And if you send it through the network, it's completely encrypted. And so it can, you be, can read it. it can be decentralized Twitter and Signal at the same time. Yeah, it can be. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not really decentralized as per se. I mean, it is. It is kind of is. It is kind of is. Yeah, it kind of is. It's very censorship resistant. Um, but it could. Yeah, it can be a whole load of things. And again, it's like a, a new concept tool. Very simple concept. Seems you know common. Like why 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 wasn't this made before? If you go on the Nostar protocol, um, if you Google Nostar protocol, and then you look at the the protocol um, repo, there's a good breakdown of things like Mastodon and things. And then there is a question like, why hasn't this been made before? And then it's like, well, we don't really know. Yeah, well, it just hasn't. <laughs> it just until works, it, but until it's it has. very simple and it works well. The problem is network effects. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Bitcoin or Twitter types. When when they stumble across it, they do go and make an account on uh, on um, uh, on the Nostar Twitter thing, and then they start tweeting and they start DMing each other and experimenting with the software. And you have to download anything. You can run. This is the cool thing. You could run the client yourself if you wanted to locally and verify all the code and everything, or you can just use somebody else's client online. It's, it's basically all browser based, so you're not you're not you know. There's only so much we can go wrong, really. Where do you stand on moderation? Of things like this. Well, so, this is a very interesting concept. So you think, well, how uh, you don't want people being exposed, like you don't want your kids being exposed to horrible stuff, do you? Yeah. Basically, well, it's a bit more than that. So uh, let's look at the uh, anti censorship products that exist out there. Um, I checked out Gab, it's just fucking full of bullshit. Um, you have your 4chan and then your 8chan, which to me has just created a generation of absolute generous. fucking idiots <laughs> who just just fucking idiots and i just it's and like i would never want my kids exposed no. to that and that's my responsibility yeah. to stop them being exposed yeah, yeah. to that and great but i will do but but twitter twitter with zero moderation for me would be a problem Z twitter with its current levels of moderation is also a problem i think things are being well the decision be. the decisions are being made by a centralized authority which comes under the control of u.s government ultimately and uh so they need to you know Second guess what the US government would want them to say or would want them to say. And then, and also, but it's got worse ever since also, Trump, it's yeah, got worse. Yeah, also, as well, I mean, that you know, they're in a very liberal part of the US and, and they're kind of liberal people, young people working on it. So, there's lots of things which will be said, which is maybe from the far right, and then they'll, they'll, um, they'll ban it. Not even, not even the far right. I think that's so in, in, in just from the right in Nostar Twitter, because you can, you can, um, uh, you can connect to multiple relays. You just connect to the relays which um, which you you want to be exposed to. So, like I said, there'll be some relays which don't censor content. There'll be some relays which do censor content. If there's a relay which you feel is censoring content in a way you don't like, just connect to a different relay. You know, um, but you need the network effect to build it up. So there's a you know a, a better service there. You'd be surprised. I mean, like in a Telegram group, for example, if you have like ten people in a Telegram group, you have nice discussions. You check it daily. You can have a chat chat, chat with people. Similar with Nostar Twitter, like or you know, or, 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 yeah. So yeah, say say Nostar Twitter for example. If you've got ten friends on there and you're connected to the same relay and you're dropping messages on there every day and chatting to each other, it's a useful tool. But then, you know but, but then is it then is it really like an alternative to Telegram rather than Twitter? Because what I'm interested in is Twitter being better or a better Twitter. Well, I mean, so Twitter have this thing called Blue Sky. Yeah. Um, which, does, does Twitter have it, or is it is it, is it separate from Twitter? It's Jack. Well, Jack. Yes, point. Jack Dorsey has funded this thing called Blue Sky, yeah. which nothing has come out of, no. um, and uh, they should really look at Nostar. Um, come on, Jack. If you're they should, they, yeah, exactly. They should really look at Nostar and um, and start making some commits because I really think this is the best option uh, for people. Check it out, and the, the audience can check it out and see what they think. Um, uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's desperately needed in in society, and you do need censorship. What's cool about this is you're kind of censoring yourself almost. You can build a whole range of things, by the way. So I did like a little paper on uh, a decentralized Uber. Um, which I remember Andreas and Sopso used to talk about. So you have different note kinds. Um, so I said, well, why, we, should, we could have a note kind for um, your geographical location. So I go on this client software, I go on an app. I say, I'm a customer, I want to get a taxi. So now I've got a public key and a private key. And I can say, this is my location, I need a taxi. And then all the people who are sharing their location, all the taxi drivers, they just sign a note and say, this is my location. I can then go look at their reputation, which is attached to their keys. Um, and uh, you could have some verification service. So this is verified by, you know, superverificationservice.com or whatever. Um, 
Uh, so you could have some verification service to prove that they who they are, and you could look through the reviews and see you know they look like legitimate reviews or not. Um, and then I could say, look, I need the taxi, and then the taxi driver might be like, oh well, actually you haven't got any reviews, just set up, set up this account. So I'm going to take a bit of a gamble and I'll go and pick you up anyway. Pick you up, take you somewhere, pay however you want. It'd be cool if you paid on Bitcoin, Lightning Network or something. Um, but you pay however you want and then you both leave a review for each other. So you have like, you know, reciprocal reviews. Um, and uh, I wrote a paper about how you could do that on, uh, not paper, just like a, a repo thing, how you could do that on, um, on Nostar very easily, actually. It'd be an easy thing to make. Uh, and it would work as well. Like you say, you kind of need the network effect for it to work. But it's, 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 it's anybody could be a taxi driver. So it's kind of the promise of Uber. Like I could get in my car and I could set up a, a I'm a taxi driver now. And um, uh, I could advertise and then probably charge people less because I haven't got any reputation, but then build up my reputation and then maybe charge you know, more because for, for, I've got really good reputation, thousands of reviews or whatever. Um, things like sock puppetry and, and uh, uh, what's a civil attacks, they're, they're kind of like something which needs to be worked out. But you could do that with, with verification services and verification mm -hmm. relays. I actually thought about this and it was, uh, um, uh, I was thinking, what other services do people need to meet at in geographical location and then also have like a rating review system? Sex. Yeah, man, you did it. It did the same thing for me. It popped into my head. And I was like, I said to my girlfriend, I said, look, right, I'm sorry, but I think this would be really good for, like for prostitution, like if you think about, because you've got client um, reputation and also prostitution rep, uh, the reputation as well, mm -hmm. it would be much safer because they could say, well, okay, you haven't got good, rep you haven't got, you haven't got any reputation, so I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a gamble on you, or I'm not, I'm not gonna take a gamble on you. So I think, I think as a tool, like so, because I call it Booba because it was Bitcoin Uber, but Booba, Booba, that was the, that was a Bitcoin <laughs> Uber, but then it sort of made sense. Then maybe that's why I thought of the sex thing. I was like, well, because then I was trying to think of other services, and that was the one which really just stood out there. Actually, that could be a really useful tool for. Um, sex work, yeah, for sex work, absolutely, yeah. and it could and it could and it could be make women safer as well, like by, um, uh, by the the reputation system which exists within it. There's a lot of things which need to be built on it. If you're interested, people, um, it's Nostar underscore protocol on Telegram, and um, if you go to Nostar, Google Nostar protocol, have a little look at that. Um, there's lots of good Bitcoiners involved in it. The Cooks and Rockstar Dev are involved in it, and uh, Fitchaff and there's a whole load. Of great people working on it. Um, well, but definitely check that out. a lot of software which needs to be built um, uh, to make it, you know, work realistically. What's cool about it as well is it really has nothing to do with Bitcoin because a lot of these solutions, they involve having to use Bitcoin in some way, like having to have use a lightning network to send censorship-resistant messages. And they're all kind of cool and interesting, but it shouldn't be like a prerequisite to censorship resistance for sending a, a message from one person to another, having to also have a lightning node, which is just like a pain in the ass. Well, this is the problem with shitcoins is that and the, the Web3 crap coming out of Chris Dixon that everything needs a token and not everything yeah, does need a token. Doesn't need a token. I mean, the public key crypto stuff solves a lot of problems yeah, and you could, can just use that. Yeah, I mean, look, that that is super interesting. It's nice to see other projects like that would don't require Bitcoin. I mean, it, it feels like a Bitcoin project. It, it has but it's all made bit. by Bitcoiners, yeah. Yeah, but also that kind of like that those kind of ideas of getting away from centralized services is, is super cool and like that's commendable i'm definitely going to check that out yeah um i think we should bring this full circle yeah all right yeah okay well then again let me put in that disclaimer that i have you know that project obviously has nothing to do with my, my ridiculous political views you're hold on but why say they're ridiculous because you're almost... I'm, I'm being self-deprecating yeah. just to, just to kind of like you know fluff the it's a the, difference. The, the far right audience members who are like hey you are ridiculous it's a it's a difference of opinion yeah. I, um the dialectic if you want i mean if Discussion is very important. The world's nuanced and complicated. It's far more comfortable to exist in a world where you're on the right side of everything and uh, it's black and white, you know, this 
free market's good, like socialism bad, but actually we need some pragmatism and nuance in there. I, I can see all these amazing, wonderful things which exist in free markets. I love small to medium-sized enterprises. I think they're incredibly efficient, good for people. Um, I don't like things like corporations. Um, and then similarly, you know, if you're on the other side, you could say, well, I can see that um, uh, cooperatives, or if, if you can build them and they work, that they're better for the workers who work in that, you know, working environment, producing that thing. Um, and that's better than something like a big corporation. And corporation is a kind of bad form of capital, which we need to somehow move away from. How do you move away from it? Well, you could like regulate out of existence. Well, that kind of sucks because then you're empowering state more. Or do you create some better way of doing it within like the free market system, which can outcompete it in a free market kind of way? Um, so yeah, no, absolutely. Like you need the dialectic. You need you need to reach synthesis by exchanging ideas. There will be some negative comments coming in. Yeah, I because you mentioned them. Marx. <laughs> I mean, this you, is the problem with Marx. So people read like the Communist Manifesto and they think, well, this is actually again like he basically did what I did. He, he praises capitalism, the first part of the Communist mm. Manifesto. Or, its ability to string the world together with all these trade routes and produce or bring all these people out of poverty, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, however, it will result in this revolution, right? Uh, but then if you read Capital, Capital's about just private capital. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually the, the introduction to what was going to be a range of six books. But uh, that's Capital. It's, 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 it's a very complicated economic uh, analysis of capitalism, uh, not all, not negative. Um, it's just an analysis of capitalism using what he called historical materialism, which is, so it's, it's, as an economist, like this is another thing which frustrates me. You know, Mises, he's a genius, absolutely. Hayek, genius. So is Keynes. These are the economists with two brains, had some incredible ideas, fought really hard to, to, to prevent another war, predicted the Second World War after the First World War and the reparations against the Germans. Genius. Marx, genius. Like great economic. Can we talk about Marx for a second? Is, is the is the issue in Marx in that when you mention Karl Marx, then people jump to well, Marxism has led to the deaths of a hundred million exactly, people. Exactly, exactly. And, and obviously, you've got the blood on your hands. Yeah, you've got the blood on your hands. But actually, there's a difference between uh, Marx being accurate in his observations and then the interpretation of Marxism by others as a way of uh, organizing society, it which was, are two different things. It was that assumption that a revolution would happen in a kind of bloody way, um, which then brought people to you know, try and push this, this revolution to happen. I mean, Marx said it would happen in the, the, very, the most advanced capitalist society would then transition to socialism. But you know, it, was, it was pushed on, you know, the poor, poor of the poorest nations on earth, Russia, with these largely sort of uh, agricultural feudalist society. It was pushed on them. Um, well, this, this is the, this push and pause, like uh, when I was out in Santiago. But yeah, Marx if, you, if Marx, if you were to look at any of that stuff, he would be, he would be, it would be an atrocity. He'd be, he'd be rolled, he did, he rolled in his grave over, the, over what, what happened, over his theories. Uh, he had, him and Engels had this concept called withering of state, which is very interesting, withering of state. Um, I'm glad I remembered to mention it just before the end here. And it's that um, when uh, in, a, in a socialist society of, of, of exchange, the um, state will become superfluous and cease to exist. So the concept is that when you minimize state institutions and replace them um, with self-governing cooperative structures, that you will no longer need state. And I think that's basically what a lot of Bitcoiners want as well. We want to replace state with Bitcoin um, and with some of the systems we can build uh, on, on, on top of Bitcoin as well. Um, there's a great quote by uh, San Simone as well, which was that um, soon the art of governing men will come to an end. It will be replaced by a new art, the art of administration, uh, which is that you, 
when you're able to replace, and actually Nick Zabo, one of our own boys, he um, has this concept of social scalability, which is, is basically that, which is basically that you can use the tools which we're building to replace all these institutions which need to exist currently in order for society to work the way it works. Um, but you can replace them with um, with the, the tools we're building and it will be a better, more freer society. And you can also use those same tools, like we said, within the, the uh, uh, private capital, um, within, you know, like we're talking about payment splitting and things like you can re you can replace a lot of the the um structures which exist just with you know just some software basically and it's um uh yeah so i mean so for those who say that marx was a statist go read withering of state google it your critics mm. did they misunderstand you or do they disagree with you I think a lot of it is if you're on if you if you have a binary viewpoint of the world and then you get so basically if you ever have an amygdala response to something, um, you have to question whether that you're being rational uh, and whether you're you've just hit an opinion which is 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 flying in the face of your material reality. Are you are you shooting from the hip or are you considering your response? yeah? Are you considering your response? Like if you if that amygdala kicks in, and I think quite often when you have like an extreme viewpoint. Um, uh, and, and, and this is either side of the spectrum, and then something challenges it, um, um, then I think it's, it's, it kicks in that amygdala response. Uh, but, and I, yeah, like you say, discussions, this, how we improve, how people get more liberty eventually, the slow revolution. Yeah, man. Well, listen, I really appreciate you coming down. Um, Thanks for having me, man. I'm going to want to do a follow-up, actually, at some point, because there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff we didn't get into that I want to dive into with you. And we should do a separate about. software one, actually. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, but I don't add much value there because I've got no fucking idea what I'm talking about. And uh, I'd rather listen to Stefan Navera interview interview you about software. Oh, no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm on, a, on a sort of like heady protocol level. I'm terrible. Like I'm, I'm more of a front end, you know, oh, this is cool. What we can do with this software, let's experiment with it kind of way. So but I think there, with you on that. I think if we'd have dived a little bit deeper, there were some other areas I might have disagreed with you on, but I'd, I'd like to have gone into them. Um, there will be a range of responses from this. I can guarantee you now, go and read the YouTube comments. They're going to be, yes, thank you for getting somebody on who I agree with. Or yes, thank you for getting an alternative viewpoint on. And there's going to be like a fuck you, mm. status cuck, and socialist fuck you. And, and like we just let them bounce off us. Nobody's harmed by us having this conversation. What's that great quote by Proudhon? Property is theft, property is liberty. So um, this, going back to basically what we're saying, that it's, it's, it's nuanced, it's complicated. Yes, property is great, uh, but not all property is great, and uh, it can be exploitative. You know, me owning another person, a slavery—that's a bad form of property. So, you know, capitalism is a bad form of property. Uh, it's nuanced; it's a spectrum. There's good private property, there's bad private property. There's good capital, there's bad capital. There's good this and that. Then we've just got to find the best, the least buggy, best part of that. You know. Whatever we're, whatever, whatever we're looking at. Well, listen, like I say, I appreciate, come, appreciate you coming yeah, on. Got to end this. You know this. No, no, we don't. I mean, carry on. <laughs> Is there anything we've not touched on you want to touch on? No, it's good. It's fine. It's I mean, fine. I just feel like we've, we've, we've come full circle. Yes. I want to go and consider it, listen to the responses, and think about when we can Ooh, dive back in. Can I, can I, there's another quote actually, which I want to get in there because there's some, I just think there's some great quote from the anarchist. So Proudhon was an anarchist. Yep. He's the first anarchist, by the way. Um, referred to himself as an anarchist, and that was the property is theft, property is liberty. Uh, there's another one by a guy called Murray Bookchin. If you're an ecologist, if you believe in, you know, humans should have a better relationship with the environment and also your anarchist leavening, Murray Bookchin's fantastic. Just go read him, it's brilliant. Um, but he has a, a quote which is that, uh, technology increases potentiality for freedom, but bourgeois control over technology 
empowers their hierarchy and control over people, which is, if human beings, and it's having control over technology, it's a bit like the half any quote, isn't it, of, uh, I realized that we could use these tools for liberation. That, you know, that us having control over the technology is, is good for people, but then if it's controlled by state, you know, 1984 style state, or if it's controlled by some big horrible corporation, surveillance capitalism, then that's bad. Um, so yeah, Maurice Butchin, he wrote that in the 70s. It's quite um, insightful. I think we're going to have a good set of show notes for this one. <laughs> no, I appreciate you coming on, man. Like I say, look, yeah. it's, uh, I think being, uh, holding the views you have and coming to talk about them on my show is uh, it's kind of a brave thing to do because you know there's going to be uh, there's going to be a reaction. Um, I don't agree with you on everything, but I really enjoy talking to you. Yeah, and uh, cool. I'm g- going to want to do this again. It's fortunate that you're uh, not too far away, so if I'm um, it's yeah, yeah, quite easy yeah. to organize a show in here in the UK, which I don't get to do as, as, ma- as many as I'd like, yep. um, which leads a lot of the conversation because I think there's a, a, definitely a US bias to my guests and therefore a US bias to the conversation. We are very different in Europe from, from America. We are naturally a little bit more socialist and I don't think that's been entirely bad. No, I mean, you can look at, um, if you look, I'm always fascinated with the Bitcoin conferences. When you go to Bitcoin conferences, you go to a European one, there's a heavy emphasis on the free and open source side of Bitcoin. And then when you go to kind of a US one, it's much more about kind of the business sector of, of Bitcoin and there's less free and open source projects there. Um, and I just kind of think there's two kind of different approaches. Like, in, like you say, in, 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 um, if you look at the, the node map, for example, most of the nodes in the world are in Germany. And there, a lot of the, the German hackers, they're sort of anarchist left types, you know. Um, uh, so, yeah, no, the, the, there are kind of two different approaches and, 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 and ways of thinking about Bitcoin. Um, and neither of them are, you know, both of them have good points and they, they should, you know, engage each other. And, and I'm actually seeing more and more. So I know in Miami now for the new Bitcoin conference, they're going to have this absolutely ginormous, which Matt O'Dell's helping organize a big, you know, shout out for him for while doing it. Um, but they're going to have this huge um, hack space now, um, encouraging free and open and giving free tickets as well away to free and open source projects. Nice. So it's great to see kind of the US conferences now. Because I mean, back in 2019, the, the hack space was me putting two tables together and saying, this is the hack space because <laughs> it didn't exist. And now it's like a full like auditorium. So, uh, you know, credit where credit's due, they are starting to... Um, uh, encourage all this free and open source uh, kind of thinking um, rather than just thinking about biz- Bitcoin as business, you know? Awesome, man. Anyway, yeah, let's end that. Thank people you very fi- much. No, dude, where do people find you? Um, so you can, uh, if you go Ben Ark on Twitter um, and then I think Ark BTC on GitHub or it's Ben Ark. That's got all my projects on. Um, I make a lot of hardware projects like points of sale, um, vending machines, uh, arcade machines, and then uh, also work on Allen Bits as well, which kind of came out of the hardware projects. But that's kind of a quite a popular piece of software right now, and it's very exciting to work on, still beta. And then also the Nostar stuff, uh, when I get a chance, I always feel really bad because we've got some incredibly productive people in the community constantly pump out software and code, but I'm not nearly contributing as much as I should be. Um, but yeah, so so... Uh, Google those things, Alan Bits, Nostar, and then also, um, oh, I've got like a, a series of uh, hardware tutorials, BTC IoT. If you Google that, um, uh, it's on World Crypto Network on the YouTube channel, and uh, you'll see the, yeah. World Crypto Network, project. is that Vortex? Hmm? World Crypto Network, is that Vortex? It was. It was. It was, but then he forked to like uh, the Bitcoin Network ah, okay. Crypto or something. It's a very similar sounding name. I love Vortex. He messaged me the other day. He has great branding on his on his channel and then he stopped making videos and I was quite sad actually. He's such a great guy. I mean, I just think he 
you know, he did his tour of duty in Bitcoin and you yeah. know, wanted to move on to other things. But he messaged me the other day. I've spoken to him ages. I want to see him again. I think he's such a fucking great guy. Such an eloquent speaker too, yeah, isn't he? Just a nice, good person. Yeah, like a really good human. So. Yeah, yeah. I'd right. to see if he gets back into the fray. I'd love him to. Well, listen, look, uh, thanks for coming on. We'll share all of that in the show notes. Stay in touch. If you ever got something you want to come and talk about, please do come back to me. You, you know, got my details. You've got yeah. Danny's and yeah, good luck, man. And take good, care. Good luck with the football club. Oh, and, yeah, uh, I look yeah. forward to seeing how you do this sort of future sci-fi tokenization yeah let's see let's see how that plays out i'll be putting that out to consultation and see what people yeah. think just get their opinions and i expect there will be a, a range of opinions but like let's let's see what we can do there yeah it's exciting breaking new ground well done yeah peace out man cheers all right thanks for listening to what bitcoin did if you want to get in touch the best thing you can do is head over to my telegram channel or you can hit me up on my email which is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. 